0: We are recording a baby Sunday. I'm here. Mm-hmm. Meet Mama B. Hello. Yep, that's my mom. She's on a one-woman mission to mother a mentally healthier world. And I'm Rebecca, here to help her. This is Advice from Mom. Mama B Bee has been a psychologist and family therapist for over 30 years. She's older, she's wiser, and she is a whiz with that iPad. Seriously, everything she says, she recorded with her iPad. Tablet skills aside, I think you will find that my mom really cares about you. Each episode, you'll hear three questions sent in by listeners like you, and each question gets three healthy doses of advice. First, you'll hear from Mama B and her 30 years of experience as a family therapist. And then you'll hear me do what a daughter does best, give her a hard time about her advice. Well, mostly I ask her a few follow-up questions in a segment we like to call Mother, Daughter, Pickleball. In honor of my mama's favorite sport. And finally, we get a second opinion, because it's always a good idea to get a second opinion. It's also a good idea to remember that this podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to offer diagnosis or treatment for any medical or psychological condition. Treatment decisions should be made in partnership with your health professional. But stay tuned at the end of the episode to find out what big life question we'll tackle next, and also how you can get advice from mom. On today's episode, we explore breakups. It sounds to me like that your inner
1: voice is definitely giving you some danger alerts.
2: You can't just say, kick it, and this is going to kick it.
3: Pay a lot of attention to how someone treats you in the beginning. Being a little
1: bit nosy or being a lot nosy.
4: Like, you know, maybe there's some kind of self-help shortcut, but I don't think there is. And this is especially
1: true in your situation because your friend is changing.
4: But
5: I don't know if the real answer is... That much better.
1: (laughs) you got brave points,
0: honey, a lot of them. So I was under the impression that more people break up between New Year's and Valentine's Day than any other time of the year. So I Googled it, and I found this chart that you made, and it looks like you took a lot of Facebook data and proved me wrong. Yeah. Can you tell our listeners the real answer?
5: Most people actually break up on April Fool's Day.
0: That's like the meanest joke ever. Isn't it? <laughs> we should probably tell people why you're such an expert on this data.
5: Oh, yeah. We should uh, back up, shouldn't we? My name is Lee Byron, and I'm a designer, engineer, and data scientist. I work at Facebook now and have for the last nine years. And Before that, I spent a short time at the New York Times in their graphics department. and I've worked on information visualizations of lots of different topics, everything from U.S. elections to the Olympics and to breakups. This project was a visualization of breakups, both how and when and why they happen, that I worked on along with David McCandless for his book, Information is Beautiful, back in 2009.
0: So you are like the quantitative expert we should be talking to about breakups.
5: At least certainly for this set of data. Yeah. Can you guess the most common reason that people break up? Is it cheating? Fortunately, no. I think that would be really sad. Um, But I don't know if the real answer is (laughs) that much better. It turns out that more than a third of adults, this isn't like teenagers, adults, more than a third of them, the reason that they broke up in their last relationship was because they weren't attracted to the other person.
0: That's going to hurt.
5: Which I guess just goes to show you that at the basis of all relationships is some mutual attraction. If that's gone, then the whole thing kind of fizzles.
0: Do you have any optimistic news to share with our listeners about breakups?
5: I think maybe we can look to parts in the graph where the fewest breakups happen or, or places where they're most stable. And the fewest breakups actually happen on Christmas. But another huge spike of breakups happens in the lead up to the holidays, the winter holidays. So if you can make it past Thanksgiving, then you're looking good, but you still have those last few weeks before The, like, Christmas and New Year's holiday. You
0: you don't have any optimistic facts from all this data?
5: There's actually 3 million first dates every day worldwide, which is a lot.
0: Okay, yeah, that's that's pretty inspiring. Um, But I realized something else. You're not a mom.
5: I'm not a mom, no.
0: Oh, you see, this show is all about advice from moms, specifically my mom. So do you want to say anything to her while you hand over the show?
5: To your mom? Well, I would say good job because if you're an awesome person
0: if you can believe it I actually wasn't fishing for compliments I believe it but you should now tell people why we know each other
5: so we know each other from school where we went to design school where you were my TA for my freshman design class
0: and would you look at you now <laughs> we now return you to your regularly scheduled mother wow Was he a a good student? Oh, yeah. Everyone knew he was a star and he'd go far. So
1: I'm fascinated by what Lee described uh, in terms of
0: visualizing the information. What a very smart thing to do. Yes, we'll definitely link to the information is beautiful visualization that Lee made in our show notes. Oh, great idea. But Mama, I'm interested to hear, do a lot of people in therapy talk about breaking up because they're not attracted to each other? Actually, no.
1: People hardly ever talk about that uh, aspect. And there was a study that indicated that if people do not choose a partner at about the same attractiveness level as they are, that the relationship has a bigger chance of breaking up.
0: Well, I guess that explains why it didn't work out between me and Fabio. (laughs) (laughs) Today we offer advice for small breakups, epic breakups, breakups that aren't even yours. When it comes to healing and dealing with breakups, we want to leave you with some helpful tips and some strategies and choices and also the craziest most ambitious thing we've ever tried. Oh yeah mm-hmm Stay tuned to the end of the episode to find out how this podcast is coming out of the airwaves and into your printer. woohoo. Here's this episode's first question. Hi, Mama B. Thanks for the amazing advice over the last few episodes. My breakup question is, how do you know whether to pursue a friendship with someone after a short romantic fling fizzles out? I'm a 28-year-old woman, and the last time I had a proper loving relationship was nine years ago. I've been focusing on online dating in an effort to change that. I don't often get a genuine connection with someone but when I do like a guy, I'm quick to get a bit too gaga over him. I think this might have happened with the friend in question, and I wonder whether I scared him off. I'm also putting an effort into meeting new platonic friends right now because I've been feeling lonely in my city. I recently went out with a guy I met on a dating app. We had three amazing dates, but he hasn't contacted me since, so I think he's lost interest. Normally, I would just move on, but I keep recalling the pure joy of spending time with him on these first couple dates. Within seconds of meeting each other, we were joking, laughing, and climbing trees. He brought out the silly in me, and we shared many artistic interests. I've been hungry for this kind of friendship for a while. Can I spin this romantic rejection into a platonic relationship? Even though I don't know this person well, I suspect he's a gem. I'm intrigued by the possibility of a friendship that brings more jokes, art, and support into my life. But I'm not sure how to reach out and ask whether he'd be open to that. I'm also afraid I'm wrong about him being a good guy. Maybe he'll reject me platonically, too, and then I'll get double-crushed. Should I risk it? Signed, friendzoner. So, is it possible to turn a romantic rejection into a fun friendship? Here's some advice from my mom. Hello! friend a zoner and thanks so
1: much for your question your question is kind of fascinating because you you do know yourself quite well don't you and uh, that is a real good thing to have in the realm of dating and really in any kind of relationship maybe what you need from me is permission to trust your gut It sounds to me like that your inner voice is definitely giving you some danger alerts. Uh, Your most important question is, should I risk it? If you do risk it, I hope that you protect yourself in very powerful and effective ways from any more rejections. Uh, For example, dating other people and filling your life with other kinds of distractions, maybe doing a lot of self-care. The second suggestion I have is for you to find your own bucket of fun. Your fun bucket isn't getting filled these days, apparently. One thing I love to do is to give people a little homework to make a list and your list should consist of every fun experience that you can remember, including from your childhood. Maybe a long list, I hope it is. And then you should rate each item, each item of fun, on a scale of 1 to 10. And again, this is to increase your own understanding of yourself and really what, what things are fun. Sometimes the things we think are most fun uh, are really, you know, just so-so. So that's a piece of homework for you if you want to do it. In terms of making a decision, should I pursue him or should I not pursue him? I have a favorite technique that I use myself and I have suggested to clients who are trying to make an important decision and who are very ambivalent about the various choices that they have. So this suggestion involves every morning when you wake up, ask yourself the question, should I pursue him or not? And then be aware of which way you're leaning that morning. My guideline is that you wait until you get three days, three mornings in a row of the same answer, either yes or no. And sometimes you might even get a maybe, which is definitely not uh, not a decision yet. And then the final suggestion that I'm going to make is that you use a very direct approach and this might be preferable only for those people who are kind of into risk-taking and that approach would be to send him a note through email, uh, through text or even a schmaltzy greeting card in snail mail And in that note, you ask him to tell you what his preference is, and you give him four choices. Does he prefer to have a friendship with you? Does he prefer to date you? Would he like to wait and see? And the fourth option, always my favorite, is, I don't know. (laughs) You're asking directly for his feedback. And sometimes that approach can really be pretty effective, uh, although I think it takes a lot of courage. And there is no way, especially after a couple of dates, to figure out what the other person is thinking. And therefore, any kind of proactive approach to that guy that you like so much and is so much fun, I think it carries with it risks but maybe you're willing to take those risks. That's what makes it so interesting and that's what makes it so complicated.
0: I think it's time for Mother. Daughter. Pickle. Oh, Oh, right. Mom, you always amaze me with what you name things. And then I always wanna make like a little like audio signature for the things that you come up with. Like you said, find your bucket of fun. I wanted to be like, we'll find you a bucket of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love that. I love that because
1: she's very lighthearted and I think that really would suit her, that bucket of fun notion.
0: Yeah. And then just to be like a total mom about it, you immediately assigned her homework afterwards. That's like the least fun thing ever. Uh-huh. Well, she'll learn something from it, I hope. So are there things that you see as like childhood fun activities that translate into things an adult can do to get more in touch with having fun? Well, right in her question, uh, friend's owner gives the example of climbing
1: trees with this man. Climbing trees? 28? Okay, I love it. Each one of us has to find our own fun, whether it's joining a book club, which I don't think is friend's owner's cup of tea but you know whatever turns out to be fun for you and not necessarily stuff that was fun in childhood but these exercises help you to understand yourself better and to kind of go back and look at your own
0: history and then learn from it. So you find what's fun and you put it in your bucket of fun. (laughs) Perfect. I also really like the idea that you suggested mom about Waking up and asking yourself the same question for several days in a row. I've heard it said that your first thought in the morning is your last pure thought of the day. That moment between being asleep and awake might be a great way to hear that inner voice loud and proud. Yes, and uh, if it's an important uh,
1: decision, it'll probably just come to you.
0: Mom, what I think is at the core of this question and has to be talked about in an episode about breakups is this idea of rejection. It just, it sucks for someone else to tell you no. There, It's hard to distance it from being a criticism of yourself. Mm-hmm. And there's so many other factors at play that could result in someone not continuing a relationship. What my mama always says, it's not just about the right person. It's also about the right time.
1: Uh-huh, the timing is so important.
0: And also, Mom, I think... At this stage in a relationship, just three dates, I think your idea of sending a nice card is creepy.
1: Okay, good. I'm glad you shouted that out. Please, I mean, who? How? How can I ever know what will be perceived as creepy by the younger generation? You're the only, you're the only communicator I have to to like pull me back in on that.
0: Which is a good reminder: if Mama B tells you to do something creepy. Ask yourself, is this creepy? (laughs) If the answer is yes, do not proceed.
1: (laughs) And does my inner voice agree with Mama B? Because my inner voice always has precedent over Mama B.
0: The loudest voice on this podcast should be the voice of your innards. Mm, Yeah, that didn't really sit right. Um, Do you want to hear our second opinion? We've got a very exciting second opinion for this question. Okay, yes, tell me. We've got an expert dating coach, Star of screen and radio and pod. Wow, how cool. I'd like you to meet Damona.
3: I'm Damona Hoffman and I'm a certified dating coach. I also do this work on television and on radio on the Dates and Mates radio show and podcast and on FYI TV. Pay a lot of attention to how someone treats you in the beginning. I, there's a lot of clues that I've gotten that she is sort of attached to this idea of the man that she wants to meet and the man that she wants this guy to be and we don't really know if this guy really is the person that's in her fantasy idea of him. What we do know is that they went out on three amazing dates and then he never contacted her again. So. You know, Maya Angelou says, if someone shows you who they are the first time, believe them. Don't make them prove it to you again and again. What this actually tells me is that even though he might have been a fun guy, maybe he's not a great guy because he didn't have the respect for her to even tell her that the relationship was not progressing when she was thinking that they were on a completely different track. But it seems like there's a a lot of feelings from past relationships, like she uses the words of feeling lonely in her city and being hungry for a relationship. And I think it's that drive, that desire to have something greater that's causing her to romanticize the connection that she had with this other guy. So friend zoner, I would say don't worry about him rejecting you platonically and getting double crushed. I mean, these words that you're using are so, they're so filled with emotion and I can i can see that the loneliness is really what is is—is consuming your thoughts right now. Going out with you on three dates and then ghosting and leaving you in the lurch, to me, doesn't indicate that that's someone that you want to invest your time in. And if you put more of your time into investing in yourself and figuring out how you can get comfortable in your own skin and in your own city and have that fun, silly, high energy, joking, laughing, climbing trees, events on your own, you won't be looking for it from another person or from a potential partner. And that is something that nobody can take away from you. And that's something that will never leave you rejected and double crushed. because if you're building it for yourself it's always going to be there regardless of your relationship status
0: here's the next question five years ago i went to the wedding of one of my best friends this year she's getting a divorce when they got married my friend and her husband were both undecided about having kids But as the years progressed, she decided she really did want to have kids, and he decided he definitely didn't. What started out as a mature separation between two adults, who saw different futures for themselves, has turned into a messy divorce, with dramatic visits, painful insults, and even the divorce papers being ripped up twice. The whole thing seems incredibly unlike her. My usual M.O. in friend breakups is to listen, ask questions, and support my friend no matter what their decision is. But in this case, it's clear that she needs to get out of this ASAP, especially if she wants to have time to have kids. So I'm in uncharted territory. How do I encourage her to get through this, move on, and make a clean break without overstepping or possibly harming our relationship in this whole mess? Signed, Supportive in San Francisco. Can Supportive in San Francisco help her friend move faster through her breakup? Here's some advice from my mom.
1: So, thanks, Supportive in San Francisco. Your question is a very good one. Your friend is very lucky to have you as a friend. It sounds like you're going above and beyond the call of duty. But I am going to say be cautious. Because your concerns about harming the relationship, it's a pretty appropriate concern to have. Because I believe you're walking on a tightrope. And I say that especially because you are quite worried about her. Uh, You also mentioned that you are using a different approach than usual. Usually, uh, you listen to that person, you ask questions of that person, and you give support regardless of their decision whether to stay together or end the relationship. So I'm saying, go back to your usual approach. First of all, because the proactive approach, it might backfire. I think the urgency is making you want to jump in and do something. And certainly your wish is to be helpful, but it could end up having the opposite effect. And I'm sure you'd never forgive yourself for that. This is their fight. They must battle it out. And yes, yes, I know this is painful for you to watch. And it may be time for you to kind of bite your tongue. I call it BMT, bite my tongue. And I do it often. Uh, if she is telling you a lot about what's going on, you may think, well, it's my job to be both her buddy and her therapist. And um, I think that's extremely risky as you probably would already guess, but people don't think of it that way. They just jump in and want to help, but in the long term it could damage your relationship with her and possibly put their relationship onto a kind of skewed path. So instead of rescuing or giving advice I'm going to suggest you use what I call I statements. And probably you have heard about I statements. And I statements are things like just saying, I'm worried about you. Or I don't know that I could cope as well with a difficult situation like this one as you are coping. So the I statements are neutral, but they are supportive. Uh, Other supportive things you might be able to say to her without getting too advicey or uh, too nebby or whatever, is, boy, that's a tough decision for you. You might ask her, have you ever thought about therapy in this situation? You seem so upset. I I worry about you that you feel so distraught about this. And um, so experts generally tell us that if somebody has had a loss, whether it's a death or a breakup or whatever, that the best approach is to just check in with them often and simply say, how are you? How are you doing? And then your job is to listen carefully. Doing it the way that I'm suggesting may be very hard for you, especially at first. You might then feel, I'm not being a good friend. But if you give your friend, her autonomy, and the respect that I think you want to give her. If you do that by backing off, and as I said earlier, I know how hard it is for me when I say, it's bite my tongue time, but I'm always happy the next day because had I said what I had in mind, I would have probably regretted it. And of course, close friends do impact each other. Their daily struggles can easily become our own struggles we want to help but we don't know how and this is especially true in your situation because your friend is changing maybe she even baffles you right now and change is a constant in our lives it's um she's going to be changing uh all the way through her life and so are you and um it's it's never easy to figure out where the boundaries should be with our close friends, with our mates sometimes, with our family of origin. But I believe that it's well worth the effort to find out where to put those boundaries and then stick to them, even though it might be very difficult.
0: Hiya, Mama. Let's play Mother Mother Daughter daughter Pickle Okay, so, Mom, I have to start out by calling you out a little bit on this mother-daughter pickleball session. You use the word nebby, and that is Pittsburghese. That is a local colloquialism that you need to define for our audience that doesn't live in Pittsburgh.
1: Oh, okay. It's um, being a little bit nosy or being a lot nosy. It's uh, trying to find out another person's business.
0: Um, help me here, Rebecca. It's always helpful to use it in a sentence. If you're in Pittsburgh, you're speaking some Pittsburghese, you might say, "Hey, oh, you guys are being so nebby. You're all up in my business. Get out of there. <laughs> Did you say that's an accurate sentence? Uh, there's no way I can think up a sentence that funny.
1: And I'm I'm sorry that I used a pejorative or slightly mean term. I shouldn't have.
0: I want to call out here that a lot of the imagery you're using to kind of describe Supportive in San Francisco is almost like this whole thing is a battle. Yeah. And she's like the nurse on the sidelines and she's seeing her friend come back beaten up emotionally and Supportive in San Francisco is kind of, she's trying to be the nurse, but she's also trying to get her out of the war. Exactly. And um, that's part of why I said it, it probably will be very difficult for
1: her to back off but I still think that if she can do that, she she should give it a try. At least it's another option. I feel like my job as a therapist is to lay out the options that I can see for a person and then let them choose. I mean, it's up to them what they if they pick it up or not. Yeah. Choose your own destiny.
0: Choose your own destiny, pumpkin. I want Supportive in San Francisco to know that she is not alone. I can't even tell you how many times my mom has told me that I am not a therapist she's in good company. She really is. So basically your advice is super meta and ironic, which is a advice podcast telling someone don't give someone advice. Yes. Yes. Life is full of paradoxes. Do you think there's activities that supportive in San Francisco could do with her friend um, to show her support without necessarily talking about these subjects? That's a great idea. In fact, quite recently, I read
1: a a summary of research studies that indicates that when a person is upset, the very best strategy for feeling better is distraction. So any kind of activity, any kind of whatever that a friend can do with their friend is going to probably take their mind off the hassles and certainly strengthen the relationship.
0: You know, you could go sledding. Yeah, you could always go sledding if there's snow. You could play Scrabble. Or you could play pickleball. You'd be the only one under 60 on the courts. But before we outline all of mom's favorite activities, how will we get a second opinion? Today's second opinion comes from my friend, David Katznelson, who has spent his career dealing with rock stars. And what do rock stars like more than tattoos and smashing guitars? That's right, divorces.
2: When it comes to a divorce, um, there's this issue of missing the person that you thought your spouse could have been. You're still mourning this utopian vision you had for yourself in your life that didn't come true. So when that happens, and I've had friends who go through that, it really is about a subtle uh, period of time where you have to really just be there, listen to them, and respond to them too. And be able to say to them, but that wasn't that person. But that person wasn't that way, that people don't change, that it's just not going to happen. I think it's okay to talk about your strong opinion. The issue is is that you need to let nature take its course. And what I mean by that is there is no way that your friend is going to be able to all of a sudden just change their emotional framework or you know, all of a sudden distance themselves from what they're thinking about. And you kind of need to work that through with them. It's kind of the same as any kind of addict. You can't just say... Kick it, and this is going to kick it. It has to work its way through the system, and they have to be really willing to kick it. The problem is is that you might just have a friend who is illogical and in love, and those two things together are going to make it so they might just need a friend for a long, 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 long time, and you can decide that's going to be the person that you are
0: Here's our final question. Dear Mama B, my question is about how to move on after a breakup. A year and a half ago, I ended a four-year relationship. Although it was my decision, it was still very painful. It was a remarkably clean break in many ways. He moved out of our apartment quickly, we split our things amicably, and I have communicated with him a few times since. Even so, when I think about the relationship, or run into him at a party, it still brings up a lot of sadness and guilt. I get the feeling that he's still upset with me, I've reached out to him in hopes that we can relate in a less charged, more friendly way, but he hasn't been that receptive. In general, I wish I could focus on the good things we shared. Instead, I get caught up with how it ended. I recently ended another year-long relationship. So now that I have these two pretty heavy emotional breakups in my recent past, it's making me wonder if there's something that I should be doing differently after a breakup. The prevailing approach seems to be to cut your ex out of your life completely, throw out everything that reminds you of them, and pretty much erase them from your life. But I don't want to do that. They were a big part of my life, and I cherish many of the experiences I shared with them. I am confident that I don't want to be with either of these men. Overall, I am learning a lot about myself, and about what I want in a partner. So why do I feel so bad when I think of them? Also, you should know, I took your advice from your dating episode and made a chart of all my past relationships, comparing them to the qualities of my ideal partner. It was a surprisingly moving exercise, so thank you. I feel like I'm working with a new paradigm now, and ready for a more solid relationship than ever before. So although I'm optimistic about my future, I could use some help cleaning up my past. Sincerely, Sentimental Spring Cleaner. How can Sentimental Spring Cleaner move forward when she has so many emotions about her past relationships? Here's some advice from my mom. Sentimental Spring Cleaner, thank you so much
1: for your question. Glad to hear that you were assertive in doing the breaking up, but now you feel guilty. Putting closure on that relationship would be helpful to both of you. It's rare that people stay friends after a breakup, after a long relationship. You wish that he would accept your friendship, but it's not the best thing for him. That's why he's not receptive to you reaching out. He's protecting himself from any additional pain. Accept his wall or his boundary because he has the good sense to protect his good mental health by keeping you at arm's length. For your part, you may be in a prolonged emotional crisis and you wish to get unstuck from it. So there are two kinds of guilt. Good guilt, bad guilt. Good guilt spurs a person to helpful or useful action. Bad guilt is neither helpful nor useful. If I were to tell you Or someone else were to tell you, you should get on with your life. It would be foolish to tell you that. Because if you could do that, you would have done it by now. So one of the good methods to helping yourself at this point would be to lower your expectations of what can truly happen in a relationship such as the one you have with your ex one we of thinking of it is since you did the breaking up, you broke up the relationship, maybe the burden of apologizing should be more in your lap. And if you can take up that challenge, wonderful, good for you. There probably is no better way of getting over a breakup than meeting an exciting new person. I personally am in favor of dating a lot. In terms of dealing with an ex, let him off the hook and move on with your life.
0: That could only be the sound of one thing. It's time for Mother Mother daughter Daughter Pickleball. I'd like to start out this pickleball conversation with a song lyric. Oh, good. There's this musician who goes by the name of Feist. Have you ever heard of her mom? Oh feist, huh. That's cute. Okay, I'm gonna take it you haven't heard of her. I no, and but I love feisty women. She has one song lyric that says the saddest part of a broken heart isn't the ending so much as the start. Huh. I think that's what this question is about, is she's she has all these memories from her years uh, with these guys. Uh-huh. And how does she celebrate that? How does she celebrate hmm. the good time? That's true. And I, I, I know that
1: I didn't even touch that in any of what I said. Uh, I was more focused on, you know, strategy for moving on.
0: Yeah. So closure is a really interesting term. I think it's a really important term. I I wanted to also add in some practical things that I think you can do to get closure. Great. I was the one to also end a big five-year relationship of my 20s. So I realized for a while I was avoiding places where he and I had gone together and I was not doing things or seeing friends that I felt were more in his territory because I had broken his heart and I had been the one to leave. So I should be the one to kind of suffer <laughs> Which I don't think is a very productive feeling. But yeah, going, like, returning to the places where we had been, not in a way that was, like, mournful. Usually with, like, a good friend who understood the context and magnitude of, like, I'm going back to our sushi place without him. And just being there and being a little nervous that I might see him. But knowing that when I successfully had a full sushi dinner, that that was... That was now. There was a new memory to add to that. It wasn't just mournfully walk by that sushi place and always think, "Oh, that's that's where we shared so many meals."
1: It took a lot of courage.
0: Yeah, as my mother would say, I got brave points. You got brave points, honey. A lot of them. A lot of them. But the best part,
1: I think, is that you felt, you felt like, okay, I did something that I needed to do, and it, you know, I'm done with it now, and it went okay.
0: Yeah, exactly. Good. Hey, Mom, we just passed a milestone landmark for our podcast. Did we? Yeah. So this listener must have listened to episode two about dating, where you recommend to another listener that she make a chart list of love. And this listener did that, and she learned things from it. <laughs> uh,
1: Good. That's good. Yeah, I think the list making is quite amazing if you uh, give yourself some time and do it and and it is different to make a list with pencil and paper or pen and paper than it is to do it, you know, on a computer or other ways. It's more personal, I think.
0: So this letter for me inspired inspired something. I want to take Mama B's chart list of love to the next level. I want to make a breakup workbook that's a great idea I'm sure I can't make like a million but maybe I just I try out this idea I see if this idea is helpful to other people who have gone through breakups I like it so we put a really big long piece of paper and we kind of lay out your categories for your chart list of love and then I get a couple like open-ended questions from you that you feel like are really important to getting over a breakup and we just make them like journal entries Because I think there is something so powerful about that physical act of writing something down, especially now in a world when we're typing on our phones. It doesn't have the same emotional impact of writing something down and seeing it on paper and knowing that that's the end piece of where it lives. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's almost a, a spiritual piece.
0: It's almost like advice from mom becomes comes to the real world i was gonna say gets physical but then that sounds yeah that sounds dirty it
1: does sound dirty and we're not dirty well not usually
0: um okay so how about this it'll feel like we just go and get a second opinion but really what's going to happen is like probably weeks are going to go by and i'm going to try to figure out how do you make a breakup workbook and what does it look like and i'll figure out the details and i'll tell you guys how we're going to do it at the end of the show okay that was more for our listeners than you but thank you for the okay Do I have to do a lot of work for it? No, I no, no. I'll take care of it. Okay, great. Then I'll do it. While I work my workbook magic, let's go get a second opinion for Sentimental Spring Cleaner. This one is from Gabrielle Moss, a writer for Bustle.com who has mastered the self-care parody. She knows when to take things seriously and when the standards we set for ourselves are just ridiculous.
4: My advice about this letter... um. I think feeling bad after a breakup uh, doesn't mean you're doing something wrong while you're breaking up. I think it's very natural to feel bad after a breakup for, you know, kind of a long time if you've had a serious emotional relationship. I mean, I think it's a sign that you were involved and willing to kind of give emotionally there. I think the idea that if you break up healthily, you'll get over it very quickly is um, kind of a myth and that... You know, a lot of people who claim that that's what's going on, I think either are lying or maybe we're not that emotionally involved. So I don't think that it sounds like there's anything wrong with your, I don't know, breakup technique. I don't think you need to start throwing all these guys stuff in the trash the second you're done with them. You need to, I think, give it time. People maybe nowadays don't think that you need to give things time to heal. Like, you know, maybe there's some kind of self-help shortcut, but I don't think there is. So I say, hold on to the stuff. You're probably doing everything fine. I wish I hadn't thrown out all the stuff from my ex-boyfriends. I did it because I thought it would make me feel better. But now I'm married and I wish I still had that stuff. This episode
0: about breakups would not be complete without a story from Amma B. My dramatic breakup story
1: is about me when I was a naive 22-year-old at the University of Wisconsin. And I was doing a number of things that I'm not very proud of now. And I reconnected with a law student who I will simply call M.M.
2: How would you like to go to the party with me Friday night?
1: We dated for some months, and then we decided to get married. Uh, A wedding date had been set. But M.M. called me one day and simply said, I'm not marrying you. And at the time, the invitations were already out. And afterward, my mother wouldn't give M.M. my phone number. And my mother wouldn't get rid of my wedding gown for a long, long, long time. She wanted to keep it, and I don't know what it meant to her. We didn't really talk about that. I was really heartbroken. I was in a very despondent state for quite a long time. It's still kind of tinged with the sadness, with sadness as I think about um, the main music that I listened to after this breakup was the opera La Traviata which is a very sad but beautiful opera. What saved me emotionally was my thoughts. And I remember thinking, I got to get out of town. And I eventually did move uh, from Milwaukee to Delaware with a friend of mine. When you're raised the way I was, to think that the main thing that makes a female important is marrying and making babies, then uh, all the accomplishment at school and so forth wasn't, really didn't count for much. In fact, my father didn't even want me to go to college because he said, girls don't need college. But I insisted. When I look back, uh, M.M. was very manipulative. I guess I was either so naive or so accustomed to things be, being out of my control and me, kind of being um, emotionally pushed here and there. I didn't even, even notice that till many years later. But this story does have a happy ending. About 13 years later, I met Jerry my husband, and on our first anniversary, we were pregnant with Becca. I was astonished at how emotional I got when I sat down to write this up. But hey, it's there and it was a tough time, but wow.
0: Mama, you made me cry.
1: Yeah, Mama's crying too, sweetie. Yeah, it was a tough time for me. But thank goodness I moved.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad. (laughs) I'm so glad you didn't marry M.M.
1: Ah, what a foolish mistake that would have been.
0: On the next episode of Advice from Mom, we explore life detours. If you have a question that you'd like to hear answered on our show, you can anonymously send it our way by going to advicefrom.mom. So as we promised at the end of the last question we have indeed made a breakup workbook. It includes many of Mama Bee's wise words, as well as helpful exercises like the chart list of love, a brave points calculator, and inner voice bingo. Did you ever think you could have that much fun while recovering from a breakup? And you haven't even heard the best part. The working title is Baby Steps to Greatness. We need you to tell us if this book can work. You can beta test the workbook from now until April 10th. And then we're going to start taking orders for a real live analog dog it printed copies. So go to advicefrom.mom workbook and try it out. I also have exciting news in the credits for those of you who care about my sanity and well-being or just the quality of this show. I've found a creative partner to build this podcastle with. Juliette Heinley has co-produced this episode with me. She has also edited and mixed it. The workbook that I hope that you will pour your soul into soon was edited by Natalie Arbell. Jane Riccobono does our publicity. Advice for Mom is a production of Wise One's Advice Services. That opera that you heard underneath Mama Bee's story was indeed a vintage recording of Madame Maria Callas, performing La Traviata. Our theme music is by Love Jerks. That's my band, with my husband, Save the Arts. A big thanks to our guests for this episode, Lee Byron, Damona Hoffman, David Katznelson, and Gabrielle Moss. I could not have made this episode without the help and input of my friends. Jocelyn, Aviva, Serena, Hadley, Ash, Ginny, Jane, Emily, Blair, Nina, Jazmeet and my ma'am Brian. I also want to send a really big, joyous thank you to you for listening. We are but a wee baby podcast. This is only our fourth episode ever, and we are learning as we go. The fact that you are listening and sending us thoughtful questions and helpful feedback means absolutely so much to me. It makes all the late nights worth it. So if you like this episode, please subscribe. Feel free to star bomb us on iTunes. But most importantly, tell your friends. Help Mama B on her mission to mother a mentally healthier world.